Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the Fateful. And for Fateful, I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I'm okay. How are you? Um, as well as might be expected. Not a super oh, happy camper, but I was actually pretty calm throughout that game. I expected Winnipeg to bounce back with a harder game, and they did. And they sure did. the Oilers didn't have what it took to uh, uh, to uh, hold on to leads or ties or, you know, that was a, a very sloppy game. No real surprise with a 22-hour minimum break between face-off times and uh, uh, both teams were sloppy and that wasn't very surprising, frankly, but <clears throat> the orders were probably the sloppier. What have we got for grade A chances in the six seven five Oilers loss to the Winnipeg Jets? They were pretty they were almost dead even. I mean this this is an unofficial count because you, you have yet to you've gone over it once, but you've yet to really dig in. Right. So it's fifteen to fourteen um for the Jets on grade A shots. Yeah. But uh, on the subset of five alarm shots, grade A shots go in on average twenty five percent of the time. The subset of five alarm shots Mm-hmm. Um, go in 33% of the time, roughly. Mm-hmm. And that was 9 to 8 for the Edmonton Oilers. So that is a huge, as my friend Tom Barrett would say, a huge number of uh, a huge number of um, goals to score on that few grade-A shots. So it was hardly a goaltending duel from either mm-hmm. Campbell, Jack Campbelltrons, or, um, or Connor Hellebuck. They both um, let in a lot of goals there. So not a defensive classic by any means, kind of a WHA-style game. Lots going on. I'm sure the hometown crowd was really happy. And to give the Jets credit, they really, they outworked the Oilers this game. There there was a different vibe from it almost immediately, even though the Oilers started the game in the same way with an early power play goal. The Jets just were, they were were hitting and battling a lot harder. And... um, I, the, on the night, they were probably the better team, although it was very close. Yeah, well, that's about four expected goals by our count. Yeah, for right. each team. <clears throat> yeah, more or less, yeah. And yeah. in... Uh, uh, oh, I got the wrong game here. Yeah, tonight's game, the expected goals were... 3.6 for the Jets and 3.2 for the Oilers, according to Natural Stat Trick. And, of course, the actual goals, disbarring the uh, uh, empty netter, was 6 against on uh, 3.6 expected against. Oh, yeah, you're right. I, I better check my game story here. I've already posted. I forgot that. I might have forgotten that empty net goal. Oh yeah, you want to get the score right if you want people. To oh, I got it right, seven five. There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> First law of journalism: get your freaking facts right, buddy. Mm-hmm. All right, um, Bruce. This is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. And because we're in a foul mood, we're going to go with seventy-eight bad things each. Okay. Just kidding. Just kidding. All right, we'll we'll go with just two. Let's rip through this. All right. Your good thing. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm going to go with some, <clears throat> something that happened early in the game that I kind of hoped would set the stage for the game, and it didn't, but I still liked it so much I'm going to mention it anyway. And I wasn't very happy with this player's 
entire game, this player being Cody Cece. Uh, but there was a play about two minutes into the first period, in fact, 17.53 on the clock, uh, when he was going to clear a puck by the sideboards and this uh, John Nemestikov came uh, uh, from behind CC and did something we saw a couple times last night, hit him from behind and sent him sort of careening into the sideboards. And... Uh, I'm going, no, this is not good. I hope he gets up. And, and CC did get up. And the play went up ice and back over the Winnipeg blue line. And then Winnipeg started breaking out, out of their own zone. And this is like 15 seconds later or less. And Nemesnikov was just coming up to center with the puck to try and dump it in. And wham! Cody CC just destroys him at center ice. And I'm going, geez, I sure hope that's the same guy that just gooned him from behind. So I went back, of course, and watched the video. And sure enough, he didn't just get the next jet. He actually got the guy who uh, who had kind of kind of grossed him out seconds before. And I'm thinking, that's the way. If they're going to fight back like this, I like it. But at the end of the night, Winnipeg, 29 hits, Edmonton, 13 hits. And the Oilers did not have the kind of physicality. I would love to see a couple of their de- other defensemen lay, lower the boom on somebody, anybody. Uh, but it wasn't really that kind of a game for uh, Oilers. CeCe had three hits, and uh, no other defender had more than one. And they, they just didn't defend aggressively or smartly or uh, effectively or, you know, yeah, not even um, DeHarnay was oh, that's right. uh, in a nasty, particularly nasty mood. In I this don't game. know why not, to tell the truth. Yeah, you'd think. Nope. Just and it, like I don't. Here's the another. same team that just roughed you up with a couple of real dubious hits last night. But. Well, speaking of the lack of physicality, I, I don't know why Clem Costin wasn't in the lineup. Nope. You know, you're going in to Winnipeg who were really starly last game, right? And you know you're going to have a physical challenge from the Winnipeg Jets this game. That's that's coming cuz they're mad and they're going to they're going to battle as hard as they can. So why wouldn't you play Clean Costin? I mean I can understand even like you might want to go with Devin Shore. He's been hot, but you could you could, you know, Shore or Ryan are the clear candidates to sit. And I, I question the coach on that one. I just think, you know, Go pick one ashore and Ryan, sit him down and play Clean Costin because you're going to need him in this game. And they did need him. They did need him mm-hmm. in this game. They need him in the third period to go um, do as the dirtiest thing he could he could to meet Hedalainen, um and uh, take out that guy who went after Connor McDavid. And he just wasn't there for that. So I'm a little took bit. Out Connor McDavid drew an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty against the Oilers and the game-winning goal scored on the power play. That was a with one second left in the period. Talk about a sour series of events there. Least, yeah. The main thing is McDavid got up, right? You let everything else go as long as McDavid got up. If he hadn't got up, then, you know, so. Yeah. Anyway, I was still. just... So yeah, I like see I like CC's hit too, Bruce, and I, and um you know he didn't he he made um you know you'll get to this he 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 was part of the defensive core that had some struggles out there, yep. um, but um that was a good that was a good play from CC. Bruce, my good thing is uh, Leon Drysaddle. This is the third game in a row when he has been absolutely flying out there, 
And it seems like as the going's getting tough, uh, tough Leon is getting going. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had said last last game, um, last podcast, that I think if the Oilers stay healthy and get adequate goaltending, that they can they will win the Stanley Cup this year. Uh, yeah, what is adequate goaltending? <laughs> That's the question. Um, it's not what we had tonight. But, um, and and the, the main reason I'm saying that is there, there's two things, two changes to the team that I think are going to drive the orders to the Stanley Cup this year. And that's Ekholm's acquisition, the acquisition of Ekholm by uh, Kent Holland. Just a great, a, a brilliant piece of GMing there from Kent Holland, bringing in a player like this, a veteran player like this, who just answers the team's needs in so many ways. It's becoming evident. The other thing, though, is Leon Dreisettle, if he's playing like this, the, the Oilers really do present something that no other team has. This two-way punch at center that um, that is, again, it's unique to the NHL right now. For, um, I don't think there's any other team that can boast. Clearly, there isn't. They can boast two, these two centers. So this game, he scores a hat trick, um, and and he he was good right off the st- right off the stop. He he um, start he won a board battle right in the first shift, and I thought, okay, this is going to go well because Leon's digging in right off the top. Um, he um, Bouchard hammers the puck on net on the power play, and Leon uh, early power play, and Leon uh, is there high, hits Hyman's stick, and Leon's there and to put it right in the net. Beautiful um, garbage goal from from Leon. Um, he um, his next uh, his next goal was his sweetest moment in the game. He picks off a pass deep in the Winnipeg end, and he stick handles, kind of stick handles to the outside, and launches a backhand shot, which is just gorgeous. Beats uh, uh, Hellebuck over the shoulder, top shelf where Mama keeps the cookies, and um, a f- fantastic skill play from Leon Dreisaitl. The third goal is a fantastic skill play from Connor McDavid, where he uh, Leon wins the faceoff and does what he's supposed to do. He goes right to the net, and the the puck works its way around, and McDavid gets it and fires a just a sizzling pass across ice to Leon, and Leon has his stick firmly on the ice in the crease, and it goes in the net off Leon's stick. Great, great pass, great finish. Leon then in this period. Um, batted a puck out of the air. Zach Hyman then batted the puck with his hand out of the air and then put it down and then almost scored himself. And then Leon set up McDavid twice with mm-hmm. with excellent passes in the slot. And those that was the game when Connor McDavid couldn't score on those two great shots. And they were you know they were great opportunities to score. But Leon was all over this game making great plays. He did make a few defensive mistakes. But um, overall, he's just he's playing um, at his very best. We hadn't yet seen that this year. We hadn't seen that since um, I actually don't know the last time because I don't know if he was even before he got clobbered by Mikey Anderson in the playoffs last year against L.A. I don't know if he was fully at 100 percent there either. So it's been a little bit of time since we've seen Leon um, playing like this, but it is fantastic to see it, Bruce. And it's a good omen, to say the least, for the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, it was five on five too. I mean, talked about yeah. power play, but five on five Oilers outshot Winnipeg fifteen eight when Drysaddle was on the ice, uh, and he was, um, uh, you know, the best on shot shares on the Oilers, and that's not normally necessarily his forte. It is. Uh, 
but uh, uh, the five-on-five five goal that he scored, my goodness, what a play. Uh, he started with the puck deep in his own territory. He powered past one guy. The guy tried to take him out before he got going right along the uh, right-wing boards in the order's end, and Leon just overpowered the guy. And he comes up through center ice. Another jet challenges him there. He burns that guy wide. He winds up taking the puck in deep into the zone and firing it. You know, a decent, probably grade B backhand shot from a low angle that Hellebuck saves. And it goes into the corner and it's kind of a four-player scramble and the puck pops out. And who's there but Leon Dreisaitl to intercept it. And then he dangles past another guy, goes in on his backhand again, steep angle, and he absolutely roofs a perfect backhand over Hellebuck's shoulder. So that last part is what you'll see on the video. The entire rush and then the aftermath, but the rush itself was breathtaking. And he's been bringing the power game and and, uh, it sure is nice to see. And usually when Leon plays as well as he did tonight, Oilers win. But uh, there was, uh, I mean, he did only score the three goals, I guess. So, Yeah, well... (laughs) This game was Campbelltron's. Bruce, uh, Leon, he's only 90th. In terms of uh, even strength point scoring rate, mm-hmm. heading into the game, he was 90th in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And the owners are going nowhere if that's Leon Dreisaitl's even strength output in the playoffs. You can't, they just can't have that. He's got to be one of the top even strength scorers in the playoffs. And uh, he's certainly capable of being that kind of player. Um, and, um, He's been much higher in the past in that regard. So he hasn't had a very good season um, at even strength. He's struggled on defense to some extent. I mean, he, listen, I'm overstating it. Le- Leon Dreisaitl at, at even strength has been a good hockey player. Um, he just, by his standard, he hasn't been the same. Um, he hasn't consistently been at his highest level as he has been in, in a few other seasons. And um, we're seeing, we're starting to see that now. So your Bad thing, Bruce. Yeah, I gotta go with the um, performance of Oilers uh, defense, specifically two pairings and not one. Uh, and uh, I thought in this game, by by far, by far, Edmonton's best pairing was Evan Bouchard and uh, Matthias Ekholm. And by far, Edmonton's best defenseman was Evan Bouchard. I thought he had an extremely strong game. He had three assists in this game. Uh, three shots on net five that were blocked. So I still got that that issue, but uh, uh, shots on net were good, and a couple of them led to goals, like the very first one in the power play in the first period. Anyway, uh, that pairing was fine. Uh, the pairs of Nurse and Cece and Kulak and DeHarnay, uh, they got crushed. And they were, you know, they were struggling in their own end. They were not physical enough. They weren't winning enough battles. And they, you know, they just weren't sharp. And to back up, this is observation that I had coming in. But then I ran off the uh, uh, national statric uh, results from this game, on ice results. And we have Evan Bouchard. uh, This is a shot attempt, 65% for the Oilers. and 68% when, uh, uh, with Matthias Ekholm. Nurse and Cece, uh, both at 29%. Then we have 
Brett Kulak at 21% and Vincent Deharnay at 30%. I mean, usually even within a sort of a competitive game, guys will kind of cluster in the 40 to 60 range. And if you're below 40, you're spending way too much time in your own end. If you're down at 30 or below, it's what not was Bro- What was Broberg? And Broberg was 58, but I thought only seven, four, five against shot attempts in seven minutes, like relatively yeah. low event. Yeah. But all those other guys, low event does not describe what was going on when they were out there because it was a tire fire. It really was, Bruce. I mean, there's a number of plays we could, uh, I'll bring up a couple of them. I mean, CeCe's play in the neutral zone in the second period where he fails to get the puck deep, which, you know, that happens now and then. Mm-hmm. Where you're trying to shoot the puck up the boards and someone closes off the boards to you and you and you and right. you fail. Well, Darnell Nurse, his job in that moment when when your partner has the puck, get you know cover for him. Yeah. But Darnell was creeping up the ice, mm-hmm. and when when the puck rebounds off the shins of the Winnipeg forward and goes ahead to the attacker, there's a breakaway instead of Nurse being oh, that, there. That was CC that was going up. Yeah, yeah. CC was taking. CC was in the neutral zone trying mm-hmm. to pass the puck up, yeah. and he, he passes it and it goes off the shin pads. And then Nurse is behind him initially, but he's moving mm-hmm. up. He's creeping up the ice, and so instead of covering for him, he doesn't cover for him, and there's a breakaway goal, which Campbell anyway. We'll get to this. Well, Campbell Campbell may well have had Kulak. Kulak um, he, what was his? Oh yeah, there's a face-off on the. I think it's the first goal, and or um, no, this is the second goal uh, that Winnipeg scored. There's a face-off win, and it goes back to Kulak, and he immediately loses the puck in the corner, and then McLeod throws it away up the boards, and Winnipeg uh, scores on the outside shot. Um, so you know there was just lots of those, those are the two kind of mistakes that stood out for me, but. There was plenty of them. DeHarnay, puck one outside shot went in off DeHarnay and maybe a few other winners. I think that might have been the third or the fourth goal. I mean, there were so many, so many examples of the California. Yeah, so many examples of the California and these outside shots that find their way in the net against Campbell tonight. It was just a very frustrating night, I'm sure, for him and also for uh, Edmonton Oilers fans. No. Any other thoughts on the Debrus, or should we move on to the... Well... <clears throat> They didn't generate any offense. Uh, they didn't play a lot of defense. They didn't play very physically. So, you know, what's left? I mean, Nurse, to his defense, even though it wound up being very costly, he went after the guy uh, you know, you figured out his pronunciation, Saku, what is it again? <laughs> Meat headline. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, that, I, I was... Hoping he'd be suspended for this game after the after cross-checking Broberg in the Adams Apple last night. That didn't happen. So he runs McDavid kind of from the side, but he kind of leg whips him, you know, where McDavid's leg is far. Like he got him on the leg and, and took him down hard. And Nurse went after him and he chickened out. Uh, Meat had a line and chickened out from that. And then there was a, a fight between Nurse and uh, uh, Big uh, Seventeen Adam Lowry. And and Nurse comes out of that with the extra penalty, and uh, uh, Meat had a line and gets nothing, and then then they scored on the power play right after, in the two seconds left, and oh man, just just a wretched sequence. And I mean, some will blame Nurse for standing yeah. up for McDavid. I'm no. not going to do that. You, you you need that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I, I, I frankly was hoping that someone would just, in, after, after uh, uh, he refused the information, I would not have minded seeing some order take a serious run at uh, Meathead Line in the third period. <laughs> after he, after he gooned Broberg last night, and then yeah. took a heavy hit of uh, McDavid in a vulnerable position tonight. You know, hell with that. Yeah, it's time for some. Uh, and it gets CC, gets CC on him the way he got uh, Nemestikov. I'll learn him. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, the, um, the the pairing that did work, the Bouchard Ekholm pairing. I mean, Ekholm had made his fair, fair number of mistakes on great. He did. Shot. I, I was I was less impressed. With him, <laughs> but Bouchard was just his best game of the year on. I think probably. probably. And led the team 24-18 in ice time, three assists, two Bouch mm-hmm. bombs lead to goals. Um, showed a little bit of snarl on defense. I mean, it's almost like as if he's got a 190-pound weight off his back all of a sudden, Bruce. Mm-hmm. And and I'm and I'm not. This isn't meant as any kind of criticism of the Oilers or of Tyson Berry, but there, I think there really was a time to let this let this guy go, show what he can do at the NHL level. He's ready for it. Um, and th- so the time was now. Maybe they made the exact right moment for this kind of trade. But he needs to be able to step up and play his best, get the opportunity. You know, when he's out there with McDavid and, and Drysaddle, for instance, good things tend to happen. I believe. Like, I, I think that could be quite a, a, a effective combination. And between him and Ekholm, it'll be interesting to see Bruce as is the season as this goes along. Who gets more ice time? Which pairing, Ekholm and Bouchard, or uh, nurse and CC. Oh, there's a legit top four there. Where before we had yeah. a, a top yeah. pair, and then the the rest that were sort of two A, two B on a good night. And now we've got, I think, legitimate competition in the top four. I mean, Matthias Eckholm is without question a top four NHL defenseman and has been for years. Yeah. And so he he you can expect him to stabilize the uh, top four and whether you call his pairing the first or the second, I choose tend to use ice time as a measure and especially even strength ice time yes. because some people have, you know, uh, got extra minutes on one or the other of special teams and they've got, um, uh, I think we're, we're going to see more balance there and then you're going to look down and you're going to see DeHarnay 827, Broberg 732 like we did tonight because they were really leaning heavily on that top four in this game. Yeah, let me just uh, zoom in here for a second, and we'll, we'll get you the exact. At even strength, Bouchard was 2206, mm-hmm. CC 1622, yep. Nurse 1801, yep. and Ekholm 1941. So the yeah. top pairing, the, the, the top pairing was Tonight Bouchard, was, Ekholm, yeah, absolutely. For sure. And yeah. we'll just see. And rightly so. Forward. I just... Unfortunately, they weren't getting a little higher percentage of the shifts. But Yeah, I, I really like that. I, I just think it takes some of the pressure off Nurse and CC. Like, mm-hmm. listen, they've just been fed for the last, since Woodcroft has taken over this team. My understanding is they've just been fed a steady diet of probably the toughest minutes in the NHL. Like, he just relies on them so much. So if you can have um, Ekholm steadying down Bouchard and Bouchard playing to his full capacity, they can play more tough competition and we'll see how this goes it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out i mean and and on the third pairing frankly with broberg and kulak um philip broberg he came on in the third period and played really well kulak picked up his game in the third period as well i should say after a fairly rough start to the game 
Speaking of rough no games. No goals against in the third, and the Oilers outshot them 14-7, but they just couldn't yeah. pull all the way back. You know, damage was done. So, Jack Campbell. You know, it's um, it's a it's a tough. He, he there was just one goal, I think, one goal where it's clear that he should have made the save that he didn't make. So there's, and that's the um, the goal where um, what's his name, Capoblanca, Casablanca, whatever his name is, Capoblanca. Comes down the wing. Capabianca. Capabianca. It's it's halfway through the second period, and he comes down the wing, and um, there's an outside shot, and I don't know how Campbell misses it, but he misses it, and he just it's the fourth goal of the game, or what was it? Mm -hmm. Fourth goal of the game. It was the Oilers had gone ahead three to two. Winnipeg gets a goal, and then. This, it's tied 3-3, then they get this one. It's just like, what do the owners have to do to win when you're a net, Jack Campbell? Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's partly out of frustration that I'm saying that. It's partly no, not. I understand. I'm frustrated too. Because a lot I of the... a lot of world country is frustrated. Many of the shots that went in were rebounding off other people, heavily screened, tipped by the Jets just in front of the net, um, difficult shots. There's only the one, <coughs> which you can say with with some amount of certainty, like the average NHL goalie is going to stop that shot. And he wasn't that, but even that is too much in a game. You can't let in even one of those goals and usually win. If you do, your, your team's usually going to lose the game. And, and the, you know, the Morrissey goal at the end of the second period with two seconds left in the second period was an outside slap shot. Now, Nugent Hopkins did screen up high on Morrissey, but there was plenty of time to react. And, um, you know, maybe, you know, he, he picks up the puck after it passes Nugent Hopkins. He knows exactly where it's coming from. And he picks it up as soon as it's past Nugent Hopkins, and yet it beats him there as well. Every single one of the tip shots beats him. It's like they find a hole in Jack Campbell. Sure do. So it's, and it's not, if this was just one game, we wouldn't be frustrated. We would just wow. be like, well, you know, he had a bad game. But this is like mm-hmm. game, game after game after game. And it's almost at the point where it's time to send him to the minors and call up Calvin Pickard. Now, now <clears throat> this is at the point of the year where we were making similar comments about Mike Smith last year with a similar amount of frustration, as I recall. <clears throat> and it actually continued right to the end of March. Our frustration kept building and building with Mike Smith. Many people were saying, send him down, including me. I don't know if you were, Bruce. You're often very level-headed about these things. But many people were doing that. And what happened? Mike Smith turned it around. Did he ever? Did he ever? So I don't think Ken Holland is sending down Jack Campbell. Calvin Pickard's not getting called out. They're going to stick with him and they'll see, you know, he'll he'll play when there's back-to-back nights, he'll play. Otherwise, they'll ride Stuart Skinner probably at this point because everyone can see what's going on, I'm sure. But it's not going well for Jack Campbell at all. Mm-hmm. And what else can I say? I mean, he made some big saves. There were some good saves tonight. There just wasn't enough of them. And there was some goals, shots on, and goals against on iffy, iffy shots. So, mm-hmm. well, five of the six goals came on outside shots. Yeah, the first three of them were tipped, and one, one of the one, the guy tipped it down and in. I don't think any NHL goalie gets that. No. And then the one, the second one that hit, I'm pretty sure Ryan got a stick on it right at the point of shot. Then it hit the 
sort of the hip of Deharnay, and then the shaft of uh, of uh, Kulak stick on the way until triple oh, really? deflection. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's just one of those puck luck kind of goals. So, again, you sort of give the goalie uh, uh, get-out-of-jail-free card. But there was a third tip, and it found a hole. And it just seems like any tip puck, it has a real good chance of finding one of those holes. You don't have a solid one-piece goalie like Skinner tends to be, where, you know, you might beat him in the corners or something, but you're not going to... You know, go, go right into the middle of the net or under his arm or through his legs or under, over his stick or, you know, <laughs> so many holes. Yeah. There's three of those. Uh, the uh, uh, the 4-3 where the guy scores on the short side. The guy who's got one goal all year, I might add, scores on a shot that beats him short side over the shoulder. He's dropping down to the ice and it just goes up and over and He's dropping early, and the guy shoots it high, and in it goes. Um, so that's just poor technique or anticipation, read, whatever. Uh, it's poor goaltending. And then, you know, the goal, goal I kind of hated the most other than that one, the goal I hated second most was the breakaway goal, <clears throat> where this is a guy who scored five goals all year, Barron, and uh, he, somehow he gets behind Nurse and Cece, like we said. And he comes in, and you're thinking, okay, you just need a save here. And the guy comes in right from the left-wing boards, and he makes one long movie. Like, he goes forehand to backhand, but the puck goes about 15 feet. It's not like he's dangling. It's not like he's faking one way and going. He goes across the middle of the net, and he just shovels it right into the middle of the net. Like, where's the freaking goalie? I... Is he playing dodgeball or is he playing goal? Like that, I mean, it's not like he roofed it or, or you know, made a great backhand. It was like it just kind of went through him. And I mean, it's, sure, you blame the defenseman there too, absolutely. But make a save, bail your teammates out once in a while. It's not like they're not bailing you out by scoring tying goal after tying goal after you've let one in. So anyway. I just texted uh, Reed Wilkins. I heard him talking about the Japanese village goal late that they give away for uh, when the Oilers score five goals at uh, Ched there. And I said the last Campbell's last three um, starts, the Oilers have lit the Japanese village goal late in all three of them and lost all three games. I know. Like how many do you need to score to win a damn game? They've scored 23 goals in his last five starts and lost them all. 5-4, Make a save once in a while, damn it. <clears throat> Done. Would you have given him a 2? I gave him a 3 out of 10. Yeah. It's somewhere in there. Like, yeah. There just wasn't enough pluses in there. It was just, you know, a couple of bad goals, a few where you say, well, other stuff happens, bad luck, yada, yada, yada. Found a hole. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> sure did. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to laugh about it, Bruce. You got to laugh yeah, about it. I hope well, Jack Campbell's laughing. Like, mm -hmm. I hope he can. Well, Ken sure. Holland can't be laughing. I went to Ken Holland's defense last night after the podcast, but he signed this guy. Ken Holland was a goalie. Like, this should be his specialty. And yet, he's uh, taken a massive swing and a whiff here, unless, you know, this. Ooh. 
there's some term. I mean, we've had this conversation before. He did turn it around for a little while, and I cry. He's worse now than he was earlier in the season. In terms of, there's not enough goals you can score to win a game. Okay, he was winning respect. games five to four and six to five before, and now. We may not see Jack Campbell for a while, depending on how Stuart Skinner plays, because they've got a game Monday. No back-to-backs for a while. Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And then um, uh, two days later, March 20th, March 22nd, March 25th, March 27th. And then the next back-to-back is March 27th, 28th at the end of the month. Tell you what, Bruce, if Stuart Skinner gets hot... We may see all Stuart Skinner this summer. Let's hope he does. This, this uh, March, I should say. Yeah, let's hope he does because um, the Oilers need some. They're going to need some wins. And then down the stretch, mm-hmm. that's, there's there's breaks between. It's possible Campbell may just get one more game if Skinner gets hot. I don't. I think that's unlikely. Um, but nonetheless, it's not good for Skinner to play him to death either. I mean, the whole point. That's of, true. The whole reason they kept Campbell in tonight when it was six against after two periods was Skinner played last night, and they're going to be playing him Monday. And coaching st- strategy at that point has to be well. It's, it's you know, it's uh, good money after bad to you know to to mm-hmm. uh, throw your other goalie in there, and this is why backups sometimes they just have to eat it when their team is getting fed because the coach won't put the starter in there. And at this point, Jack Campbell is the backup, and he's a very distant second. Yeah, he sure is, Bruce. And he was okay in the third period. Didn't let in any, and they kept, you know, they were in the game. But uh, this time they couldn't get the tying goal. It just got the five. Yeah, it just seems relentless, eh? Like just the, the bad, the just the... Goals under strange circumstances, I will I'll put them, because yeah. they're not all his fault. So now his, is his saves percentage, is this accurate, 882? It must be lower than that. Uh, well, I uh, tell you in those five games that I just listed off, it's 845. Okay. The other teams are shooting 15, 15.5% against Campbell in his last five starts. What's your number? Not that. <clears throat> Uh, my number is 26, and that is the number of power play goals uh, credited now to Leon Dreisaitl, 20, 22-23. Uh, tonight he scored two of those, and he broke uh, his one-year-old club record of 24 that he scored last year to break uh, Wayne Gretzky's all-time franchise record of 20 in a season that was tied once by Ryan Smith. And... Uh, Drysaddle powered through that last year, and this year he's powered through that, and he's up to 26. So uh, I looked last night after he tied his old record, and I saw him uh, 31st on the all-time list for most power play goals in a season with 24. Well, right now he's all the way up to 18th because uh, there's only 17 guys that have scored 27 or more power play goals in a year. I'll give you the quick list here. You may have heard of a couple of these guys. Mike Bossy, Phil Esposito, Phil Esposito, Brett Hull, Alexander McGillney, Ilya Kovalchuk, Dave Andrechuk, Mike Bossy, Michelle Goulet twice, Brett Hull twice, Meryl Lemieux twice, Joe Neuendijk, Dave Andrechuk, and the immortal Tim Kerr, number one, with a, a big mountain of a man with the soft hands that, used to just line up in the slot and power them home for the Philadelphia Flyers in the mid-1980s. 34. 
And so that's 34 in 76 games for him. Every one of the guys ahead of Leon on this list played 70-plus games. And all the guys below him, on the first page, there's only one guy at 69 games. Leon's played 62 games, and he's already got 26 power play goals. And he's taken a real hard shot at Tim Kerr's records. So lethal is Edmonton's power play, and so lethal is Leon Dreisaitl within the structure of the Edmonton power play that he is very, very difficult to stop. And he's a huge part of this This incredible. Tonight they had, they scored two power play goals in 20 seconds, the first two power plays they had. Yeah. took 20 seconds to score twice, both times him. My uh, We're on the same page here because my number also involves uh, power play scoring. This is Connor McDavid's power play points, which mm-hmm. uh, I think Hannah Ryan Singh um, – alluded to he's tied with green gretzky for the all-time oilers lead at 58 which surprised me i thought um i thought uh anytime you're beating a scoring record of wayne single season scoring record of wayne gretzky like this you just i just didn't expect to hear that i never expected to think that Connor mcdavid would break any of wayne gretzky's single season scoring records because they're so astro they're so high he just he just put up so many points but he's he's done it on the power play. Now it turns out that Gretzky, as great a overall, um, as dominant an overall point scorer he was, um, he was very good on the power play. And he actually had seasons in Los Angeles where he outdid himself in Edmonton. He had two seasons in LA, where one with 61 and one with 59 points. So McDavid is now 13th overall in. Um, all-time season for a season point scoring on the power play in the NHL with his 58. So there's uh, a number of players ahead of them at the very top of the list. Um, holding the top four uh, power play seasons ever is Marilyn Mew. Mm-hmm. He had one season of 80, two seasons of 79 and one season of 66. So he, McDavid's he's got these uh, 58 points in 64 games. It's possible Bruce that he could take a run at Lemieux. And that all-time record, I don't. I think that's unlikely. Um, he'd have to, for one thing, he'd have to increase his rate of, of power play point scoring, uh, which is possible. But he's such such a high rate already. Um, but Lemieux's dominance in this category, um, I didn't know that, that right. was the case. That he was way ahead of Wayne Gretzky in that on on that count. But um, we're going to see McDavid if he stays healthy. He's going to he's going to go into the top five. I think. Uh, maybe four, he'll finish fourth. Um, Behind the 80, 80, 79. Yeah, I don't think he'll be getting those. Yeah, That's 80, a point yeah. of game on the <laughs> power play. Holy moly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's unlikely he can catch that. It's not impossible, but it's But unlikely. 66 he could get. What's yeah, he now? could be 50. Yeah. 50, <laughs> He's at 58, yeah, okay. so he could get to 66 for sure. You know, that's expected at this point. But can he get to 79 or 80? No, that's that's unlikely. But, you know, you don't say never. Never say never with Connor McDavid. He's He is an unbelievable. He's having an unbelievable season, and he's playing with incredible determination. But, but I don't think his determination... His determination is about winning. It's not about scoring power play points necessarily. <clears throat> no, the two go hand in hand. So, But I don't see him in the third period, for instance, like, you know when the owners have a big lead getting out there on the power play and doing everything he can to score. And that, and that was the MO of, of some players like Gretzky. And I, and, and I admired that in Gretzky. I think that was fine, 
but um, and it sure sure led and it led to some extra points that that he would get that that a player like McDavid won't get because of his mindset. Yeah, well, he uh, Gretzky in between 1980 and 87, when he won his seven straight Art Ross trophies, uh, he only had four of the top eight seasons of power play points. So you know, I mean, he was dominant, but not like utterly beyond everybody else. I mean, he was winning those scoring titles by, uh, in fact, I can tell you, 29, 65, 72, 79, 73, 74, and 75 points in a row. The six greatest margins of victory in the history of the NHL by Gretzky in 81 to 87. And he was getting his power play points, and he was also crushing it on the penalty kill. Like He got 23 shorthanded points one year. 23 and and crushing it at even strength and crushing it on four on four, which was a particular favorite for uh, for those Oilers. And uh, uh, but on the power play, uh, he was great, but not like super super out of this world great. Whereas McDavid is clobbering the league in power play points this year, like Gretzky never did. So to finish off on the out-of-town scoreboard, we see the Stars beat the Avalanche 7-3. Mm. And the this is early in the game. The Wild lead uh, the Flames by 1-0 in the Blues and the Kings. Love it if the Blues can beat the Kings tonight. We'll see what happens there, Bruce. Right. Yeah, so the Oilers play. Who do they play Monday night? Leafs or Buffalo? Buffalo, oh, then Boston, then Toronto. It's a tough trip. Tage and they Thompson. got off to a bad start. Yeah, they got Tage Thompson to deal with, and then the well, perfection line, and then uh, Toronto in Toronto and Hockey Night in Canada. You know that'll be a high intensity and tr- affair. And uh, Toronto will want revenge. And, yeah, yeah. Because they looked so bad. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. The owners are playing. I, um, you know, I was looking forward with some amount of trepidation to this uh, this run of games against top teams. Yep. It's they're so far they're two and two though the owners. Yep. Yep. And uh, they've played pretty well, and if they can get some goaltending, they'll be fine in this in this part of the season as well. Bruce, let's leave it there. Thanks for thanks for talking tonight. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>